Hello, thank you for choosing to listen to Theme Park Films Podcast. We are Carla and Holly, two friends from England, who will write the movies, watch the film and give you our thoughts. You can find us on at Theme Park Films on Twitter. Oh, and just one more thing. If you are driving whilst listening to this podcast, please keep your arms inside the vehicle for the duration of the show. Thank you. And welcome to Theme Park Films. I'm Carla, and as everyone joined by Holly. Hello. And this week we have a very special guest with us, which we're very excited about. We've got Stacey from Rough Giraffe Stroke Brick Pod scene here. Hello. Yay. <laughs> now this is this is uh, a big coup for us because we always said at the beginning, I'll let you into a secret, that we would never have another podcaster on the show, that the only guests we would ever have were people we know and our friends. So you know what this means, Stacey? You've only tipped into friend status. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, like, Stacey, awkwardly, like, oh, God. <laughs> oh, well, now I'm honoured. Before I was just, like put out a bit that I had to join you on a Sunday evening but now I'm on it now you're excited by it yeah well we always um we always figured that you know it's quite awkward when you collaborate with other podcasts because some you just want to say no to yes so we thought we'd just have a blanket rule we'd just say we don't collaborate with other podcasts that's just we don't and so far we haven't the only ones that we've appeared on the ones that we would call our friends and of course we've got we've got you on now so exciting it's great and i'm glad you've got me for this film because i've never been to a theme park in my life no point having you for any other film other than this so i should tell the listeners in case the title wasn't clear enough as to when they clicked on it we are going to be reviewing big so this is one of two specials where we've kind of flipped it and this is a film that features a theme park and I must admit we're being quite flimsy because really it's just a bit of a fair or a carnival yeah there's a big wheel yeah (laughs) so it's, it's quite a flimsy one but we thought you know it's a really good film and well I like it so that's why we chose to do it It was released on the 3rd of June 1988 in the USA and the 21st of October 1988 in the UK. So obviously, Holly, it's the year before you were born, but did you see it as a child, Stacey? Yeah, I've kind of grown up with this film. I love it. I don't know how often I've seen it, but probably 20 times, 30 times maybe. It's got some absolutely classic scenes in it i think when i was growing up i had sky movies Mm. and it was in like a an advert trailer for what they had coming up so there are certain scenes in this that i have seen thousands of times in that trailer that i could just you know when i see them like yeah this bit yeah this bit but basically because i've just seen them thousands of times yeah, so what I'm wondering is, because me and you have grown up with this film and we saw it literally through the eyes of a child, so I think yes. that's why I can see, yeah, there's some questionable bits in it when we get to, but honestly, it's just such an innocent film for me. Yes. 
So I want to get Holly's take on it as someone that's only watched it as an adult. My my initial thoughts of the film. Well, well yeah, just a, just a quick summary, and then uh, then we'll go through the plot. <sighs> wow, well, it's just a bit silly, wasn't it? <laughs> what? I mean, I've made quite a few pages of notes. Okay. And there's yeah, there's I've got a lot of questions. Okay, well, we can go through it and then you can fire away your questions to to 80s kids. How about that? <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, you're right. It's a bit silly because you can't wish to be a grown-up and it happen. It's not based on true life. <laughs> so we start off, we see Joss Baskin playing a computer game. And he can't complete the game as his parents keep calling him to take the bin out and blah, blah, blah. Holly probably doesn't remember games that you couldn't actually pause. (laughs) That's, you know, like now he just pulls it, take the bin out and that would be the end of it. But in those days, they were either on a disc drive or on on a cassette and there was no way of pausing it. You had to do it there and then. Yeah, I remember we used to play on our Commodore 64, which... I'm sure Holly doesn't remember either. No. Um, but there was a game called Gauntlet. Yes. And we basically, me and my brother and sisters would play it and, like, mum would call us for dinner and be like, we can't we can't eat downstairs. And she'd bring the dinner to us so that we could keep playing. <laughs> that was nice of her. Because <laughs> you literally can't stop. If you stop, someone's going to kill you. So, like, when... But, like, when does the game end? Just when you, when you physically have, you know, wait, spent... 10 hours and the note go go on no more yeah when you fall asleep (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean like I remember like the Mario games and and things even on the Game Boy which was early 90s you had to keep completing the levels to get to the next one so even if you got to level seven next time you played it you still had to go one two three four five six so you got really good oh that's so annoying (laughs) Yeah, well, that's why kids nowadays, I don't learn patience. You had to have a lot of patience then. You had to sit down and do things over and over to get a result. Uh, I, I, I used to feel for him in this bit because he had to type in quite a complicated thing, didn't he? Like furrow, yeah. thermo, pod, which is quite, you know, for a kid, not an easy phrase, is it? No. For an adult, I don't think it's an easy phrase. I'm, I didn't even know what a thermopod was when I was a kid. I'm not sure I know what one is now. I think it, I think it's made up nonsense. Thank you. <laughs> Stacey's a doctor, so she knows these things. If she says it's nonsense, <laughs> then my God, it is. So we then see Billy, who you might recognise, Holly. He was in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, no, I didn't actually recognise him. Yeah, he was a good little actor, actually. He was in um, Overboard as well. Oh, gosh, yeah. But I don't think he's um, in any films as an adult. I think he got out of it. But he was in quite a few in the quite in the late eighties. I thought he he played this part really well. Actually, I think he was good. Yeah, he's very good. And they see uh, Cynthia, who they both fancy. As as thinking, she looks about ten years older, and her dress sense is terrible, really bad. But at the time, she was probably the height of fashion. I wondered whether him fancying her is an indicator that he likes older women. Like, this is a, this is a precursor. Oh, yeah. 
you have blown my mind. <laughs> I have never thought of that. That's so true. Yeah. So uh, I like this bit when you see them, like they're looking through their stickers and they go, need it, got it, got it, need it, got it, got it. And that is just such a thing that we used to <laughs> say in the playground. Mine was with smash hit stickers. It was always trying to complete the smash hit sticker album. You always used to get like the same one over and over again. Like you get like a million Matt Goss from Bros, whereas everyone was waiting for Madonna or something. I think you have to spend about a thousand pounds to be able to complete one of those sticker albums. Is that an actual fact? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a fact, guys. That's a fact. And then, of course, we see them do the famous shimmy shimmy coco pop rhyme. Yeah. For the first time. Oh, I love it, though. Sometimes I just sing it to myself for fun when no one's in the house. <laughs> Did you see Tom Hanks on Jonathan Ross? He was on there last year or the year before, and he, they asked him to do that, and he did it word perfect. Oh, wow. Aww. And he said that a lot of people in street ask him to do it, and he said he, he will usually do it. Oh, that's nice. Tom Hanks is lovely. He's just, he seems like just a really nice guy. Yeah, he said, depending yeah. on the age of people, so like younger people ask him to do like a Toy Story quote, then you get people that ask him to shout Wilson for Castaway, and yeah, obviously people in their late 30s, 40s ask him to do the Shimmy Shimmy Coco Pop rhyme, which is what I would ask him to do 100%. <laughs> I'd tell him to run. Run, Forrest, run. <laughs> do you reckon you get, he must get that more than any of them? Oh, I'm sure. Just people shout it as they go past in their cars. But because he's so nice, he does like a little run on the spot and everyone's like, oh, Tom, you're so great. <laughs> um, so we then come to the theme park part, which is how it got into this podcast, which is actually a fun fair. Yeah. So Josh wants to go on a ride when he sees Cynthia in the queue, but he doesn't want us to know he's there with his mum and dad. So he asks them to stand to one side and, and he goes on by himself. And I used to do that on buses with my mum and dad in Spain. When I was about seven or eight, I used to say, I don't know if they still have them in Spain, but they have like a single seat, like near the front. I used to say, I'm going to yeah. sit there. Like as if I would be going on holiday by myself at seven or eight. <laughs> and I just used to hear my mum and dad like sniggering as if, look at her, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so he isn't tall enough. I have a question about Cynthia. She's got this stupid ponytail on top of her head, which I think makes a good couple of inches taller than she actually is. Oh. Do you think without the ponytail, she'd be still tall enough to get on that ride? Wow, I thought that. So actually the height that you needed to be seemed quite high. And then I watched some of the other people get on and there was one girl who definitely didn't seem tall enough. Well, that doesn't seem fair, does it? We've opened up a whole can of worms here. Prejudice. Really prejudice. This film's got so <laughs> many layers. I mean, Cynthia, to be fair, other than having terrible dress sense, she was quite kind to him, wasn't she? She tried to be quite nice to him and stuff. Yeah, she was sweet and patronising enough. <laughs> you have a real beef with Cynthia. I feel like you have a lot of anger towards a really minor character. I think I think she led him on. Really? I don't think she did. Yeah, yeah. She's all 
she's all skirt and big hair and then she brings out her boyfriend and it's all like, oh. I think she was just being nice to, because they, they'd already mentioned that her brother was in the same year as them. So I think she was just being nice to her brother's friend. I thought she was, I thought it was rude when she then was just like, oh, here's thingy. And then when she said to him, like, he's got a car. Yeah, maybe. All right. So he will, walks off all gloomy and he finds a Zoltar machine. Yeah. And I thought that, obviously this is the name of the film, but I thought the terminology he used to become a grown-up was weird because... I did. He said he wants to be big. Well, that could have really backfired. Mm. He could have woken up like the BFG or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I th- he didn't say grown-up. He said, I want to be big. He could have woken up just really fat. <laughs> yeah, like couldn't have left the bed. You know, that that's what the film could have ended up like. <laughs> Obese is not a great name for a kids' film though, is it? I don't think it would have been as fun. But yeah. So we then cut to nighttime and he's asleep. Now why was he This is one of my sorry oh you go on, go on. No, no, I was gonna say, and I think you're gonna say the same. Why was the why was his baby sister in his room? That was one. That's what I was going to ask. He doesn't seem to have any other brothers and sisters. The house is that he lives next door to his best friend. His best friend, there's five, three or four of them, the brothers and sisters. He doesn't share a bedroom. The house looks the exact same size. So unless Billy is favourite child and gets his own room and the everyone else in that family sharing a bedroom why do they not have another bedroom it's a good point and I think you're led to believe that Billy's from quite a, like a rougher family as well so I don't think they would give him his own bedroom exactly I thought it was very selfish actually of the parents to let him deal with a screaming baby in his room and then when the mum gave him a look as to sort of be annoyed because he slept through when the baby was crying. I actually think in this country you're not allowed to share a room if you're seven years apart. No, you're not. No, there's. you'll get to an age. I think, I can't remember what age it is, but yeah, you, boys and girls aren't allowed to share a room together. I thought it was when you got to like 13. There's definitely a seven in it. You're not allowed seven kids in a room. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's like the actual law or if it's, you know, if you were going to be, say, if you're in a council. Yeah, my mum and dad both used to work for the council and I'm fairly certain that the law was that once uh, once there was a certain age, which I believe to be seven, but I might just made that up. But that baby should have been in with the parents either way. Baby should have had its own bedroom. Yeah. We know that house should have had. There were lots of doors upstairs. Anyway, so at that point, he's still he's still 12. Next thing, he only wakes up as Tom Hanks. And, you know, you get quite kind of the funny scene where he sees himself in the mirror. and Yeah, but, 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 but. Wouldn't you notice that you were big before you looked in the mirror? Honestly, like, <laughs> yeah. wouldn't you notice, like, you weren't wearing any clothes anymore? I want to know how his pants still fit him. That's yeah. what I wrote down. I understand you couldn't have a naked Tom Hanks, right? I get it. But they could have shot it from the waist up so you couldn't see because it would really distract him why you would have those tiny little boy pants on. Yeah, because but they weren't tiny. That was the thing because all his pyjamas got ripped off. His mum found them in the bed. But when you saw him in the pants, they were adult-sized pants. Yeah. 
So someone's made adult-sized pants version yeah. of the little boy pants for him to wear. Yeah, they 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 weren't stretched, no. were they? They were ju- they fitted perfectly. Yeah. So unless before he was wearing pants which were far far too big for him. Well, he wasn't because we see his mum folding the washing. Mm, they look very. Literal. And you see, and yeah, they were they were little boy pants. Yeah. Yes, I think if anything is unbelievable in that film, it's the pants. That's the only thing that I found unbelievable. <laughs> Everything else could happen. Yeah. He puts on his dad's clothes and gets on his bike and the fair's already gone there. They packed up very quick, didn't they, in the night? Very. They normally like wait till the next morning, don't they? They, they must have been like, uh-oh, Zoltar's made someone big again. We better get out of town. <laughs> There are going to be repercussions on this one. It's happened again, guys. Let's go. Yeah, so the fair's gone. And he goes to see his mum, who freaks out when he walks in. I really like it when he runs back out and wipes his shoes because he thinks yeah. she's freaked out that he's getting mud on her carpet. Which Sweet. Is really funny. Yeah. Um, but obviously, she has a meltdown. I thought, though, that the mum really did overreact. What? No. I don't... I don't... I don't... <laughs> But I don't know if someone came into my house, I'd start running around manically like that. Well, because he mentioned Josh. The minute a man comes into your house and mentions your child's name, I think you probably would freak out. And then he shows you that he's got matching pants. Yeah. (laughs) He pulls down his trousers. Mm, I don't think even you would be nonplussed by that. I don't think I'd have acted quite how she did. Okay. Well, obviously, she doesn't believe him. And he goes to school to find Billy. And Billy doesn't believe him either at the start. But it's all right because he, he raps to him, shimmy, shimmy, coco cop. And it's obviously something that only those two would know. Would that convince you? Um, you know, I was saying, I think when I was younger, it I totally believed that that would convince him because I think you probably would. You don't question things as much when you're a child, do you? No. I mean, obviously, it wouldn't convince me as an adult, no. <laughs> and also, they do sing that song quite loudly. It's not like they just sing it between themselves. Someone else could have learnt it, I guess. Or they could have tortured Josh to say, what's the one thing I can say to convince Billy? That would be quite a good film, actually. <laughs> you know, like that someone convinced a child... You know, it'd be more like a thriller, but, you know, like no, can't convince no. the child that they grew up and they believed them and then sort of kept doing it. And then they were like, you know, stealing children. Gosh, quite a good wow. film. Yeah, it sounds great. I mean, a completely different, not not a lighthearted one, obviously. PG, that sounds like to me. <laughs> so Billy then sneaks in some of his dad's clothes and money that, He's swiped from his dad's drawer and takes him to New York to lay low until they find the Zoltar machine. didn't really understand why they had to go to New York at this point. Like, I get the next day they mm. obviously wanted to go and try and find the machine. But I just thought, you know, we do we have to go into New York City, into probably the dodgiest bit mm. of New York City? Couldn't we just hang out where we are? Go and get a motel down the, the problem road. The problem is the mum's seen him. In New York, it would be easier to get lost. I don't think they would be thinking that, though. 
And also, I think it's a lot to ask for Billy to have to get into New York City all the time and to leave Billy to get the bus home. Yeah, he spends a lot of money on that. In actual fact, out of this whole film, Billy was the real star. Billy was great. He was the best one. He was good. He was a good friend in this film, wasn't he? He was good. Thank God that it wasn't all a ruse and he wasn't actually about to be killed like he would have been in your (laughs) script. Yeah, because you'd have felt really bad for him. It would have felt really bad. It would have been awful. (laughs) (laughs) So obviously this was New York in like the 80s before it got cleaned up. So it's a bit rough. They find the most ghastly ever hotel. did seem cheap though. $17.50. I don't like this scene. I have to say, I don't like it. He looks really sad and I feel really bad for him. This is when he, when as an adult, he really looks like a child, like a lost child, when he's crying on the bed. I've got to say, Tom Hanks plays this so well. I think this is probably his defining acting moment, is in big. Oh, he's brilliant. Because I don't think anyone else could have pulled off the childlike innocence that he does. No. I don't, what, what do you think, Holly? I didn't really think much of it, to be honest. Sorry. (gasps) What? (laughs) Okay, so anyway, I found this really moving. I I find it really upsetting when I see him crying on the bed. I just think it's it's heart-wrenching. They go to get a list of the carnivals where uh, Zoltar will be. And, of course, because it's the 80s, there's no internet or anything like that, it's going to take six weeks. Oh, nowadays the film will be over. Yeah, that's it. Oh, it's there. Okay, we'll go and do that. Yeah, they could probably just FaceTime Zoltar. And also this this bit though, Billy again, he really does shine. Like, well, what a good idea. Yeah, we like Billy too. <laughs> like really very useful, I thought. And actually I thought the age difference between them, I mean, Billy seemed a lot older to me than... Um, than whatever his name was. Well, he's only three months because he does mention it when he gets angry with him. But, you know, he seems... I think, again, because we know that Billy is from a rougher family and he's kind of been left to his own devices. I mean, you know, he's able to sneak out to New York and his family don't even notice. Mm. I think, you know, that that kind of says he's a bit more streetwise than Josh, who seems to become from quite a protective household. He's quite a young 12-year-old Josh. Yeah. So obviously because he has to be there six weeks, he needs to start earning some money. So he looks for jobs or Billy looks for jobs for him and they uh, find one as a computer operator, which probably back then was probably quite a unusual thing to know anything about because not everyone had a computer. And in this scene, I mean, I, he just, I just thought, I know you're 12, but you must know sort of how to, how to act. It just annoyed me. Well, I think two things. Boys together act sillier. And I think even girls to a certain extent. I was always way sillier when I was with my best mate at 12 than I was, you know, with other people. And secondly, I think it was the time. Maybe a 12-year-old now wouldn't behave like that. But I think, you know, I think you stayed a kid a little bit longer when this was made. Mm. (laughs) Not convinced. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I just, it just annoyed me. And also, where did he get all his clothes from? I was thinking that. They were terrible, but where did he get them from? Well, we know that some were Billy's dads. But, I mean, he gave them, I mean, you know, you'd think he just would select one top and a pair of trousers. I mean, 
Billy literally created a wardrobe for him for every occasion. <laughs> <laughs> he had a suit. The suit was awful. I don't know where he got the suit from for the interview. <laughs> so somehow he gets a job interview. And during that, we see Susan for the first time. I thought she was quite unprofessional here, actually, just storming in during an interview. Really? Yeah, really unprofessional. Oh, she's terrible. You know, and Susan, I, I did end up feeling for Susan towards the end a little bit, but she was actually quite a horrible character through the majority of this film. She wasn't She wasn't a very nice lady, was she? No. No. Do you notice that um, Tom Hanks is, like, perving on her straight away? Yeah. Kind of because Susan distracted the, the guy that was hiring. He, gets, he just gets given the job, doesn't he, immediately? I'm fairly certain even in the 80s, you probably need a little more than the information he gave. I'm not sure this is really realistic. I was going to say that, you know, how easy was it? to get a job in the 80s because you know shocked that anyone was ever unemployed <laughs> yeah it, it, i guess it was kind of a little bit different but definitely in a in a big new york company i think they would have wanted your bank account details although they did used to give wages as checks i think still in the 80s so it is possible yeah he had a check didn't he i guess it might have been possible though yeah i doubt it we see paul who, of course, we all know more for being the dad in Home Alone. And he's with Susan and Macmillan, who's the boss. He accidentally knocks over Macmillan, Josh does. And, uh, you know, Paul's quite harsh to him, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I hate Paul. Uh, at one stage, I did feel a little sorry for him. Yeah, because like, he's actually legitimately tried to get a job here. And then you have someone who sort of comes in and acts like a bit of, you know, obviously we don't know he's a child, acts like a right idiot. And then it suddenly has become star pupil, you know, gets appointed some job to literally sit and play with toys. I I, when I I remember watching this when I was a kid and I just thought that was the best job ever. I just, oh, my <laughs> God, I need that job. Now, this is, again, I'm trying not to look at this as through the eyes of an adult, more through how I saw it when I first watched it. But this is actually quite upsetting, really, when he phones his mum. Yeah. Because it's quite dark, isn't it? You know, she's talking to someone that claims to have her son. Yeah. I kind of felt really sorry for her. Yeah, I don't think the phone calls are helping. No, really. I think he probably should have left ringing her and also i'm fairly certain well one he's using the same name he's going around still saying he's josh baskin which was silly didn't even change his name yeah she, she's witnessed she knows what he looks like so i'm sure there would be an e-fit of him somewhere and now he's using his company phone and i know they could trace phone calls back in the 80s yeah i, th I thought it was weird that they didn't even seem to attempt to try like no one was coming after him well, all you saw was his face on the milk carton. Yeah. That was it. I'm fairly certain someone would be after Tom Hanks. It should be, if they were doing their job properly. I mean, he don't, I don't think he lived that far from New York. I always took it that he was in, like, Jersey or somewhere. He was in New Jersey. Okay, thank you. <laughs> he gets his wages, which was $187, which he was thrilled about. So I guess that tells you kind of how cheap the hotel was if he was being paid $187. Yeah. 
Now, the guy next to him does say that that's quite bad, but obviously to Josh, he's a kid, that would be great money. Do you think he ever pays Billy back? I hope so, but I fear not. Because <laughs> he, he seems completely, compared to Billy, he does seem completely self-absorbed. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, just very sort of short-term thinking. Mm. Mm. You know, like when he's like, we're going to go and spend all the money. To be fair, if I was a kid and I just got nearly $200, I would go and buy junk food and silly string. God, yeah. I'd buy that now. <laughs> <laughs> I love this scene with the silly string, to be honest. I think it's on the DVD extras where they did interview Billy when he was a little boy and he said that Tom Hanks completely improvised that entire scene. They just put them both in a room and said, you know, just act like kids. Again, that probably annoys Holly, but to me, I think mm-hmm. that's really sweet that, that Tom Hanks really got in the spirit of it. It did annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> we then see Josh walking around FAO Schwartz, which has gone now, sadly. That massive toy store. Yeah, it's closed down now. I did go in it when I... I don't know if it was when I first went to New York. I've been in it one of the times and I have seen the piano. It was still there. But there were so many people queuing to go on it to have their picture taken that I didn't stand. And now I wish I had because it's not there anymore. This is kind of the iconic scene, isn't it? Where he bumps into his boss and they play a tune on the piano together. Yeah, it's brilliant. This, this scene always worried me with the keyboard. It always worried me because I always think they're going to smash it when they're jumping on it. I just think they're going to break it. They really jump on it. They do, but it, was a, it is real. Like They did actually play that tune. That yeah. wasn't edited in. They actually learned. Imagine the dedication. I feel for Macmillan because, you know, think how many hours that guy had to jump around playing that. I mean, Tom Hanks was fairly young at this point, but that must have been exhausting. For It must have taken hours to learn to do that, days. The poor actor getting paid to do his job. Well, <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just think it looks exhausting. I mean, nowadays you could CGI it in, but they genuinely had to learn that routine. So he gets promoted instantly because he played a tune with the boss and gets given a huge office where he's paid to play with toys all day. You next see him in a meeting where they're pitching a building that turns into a robot, so basically a a spin on Transformers. It is terrible, though. Yeah, it was really bad. Josh just basically acts like a child throughout the meeting, playing with it, and then explains that it's really boring. But I liked that when he was like, I don't get it. Because, you know, actually, that's sort of like what you need to do, isn't it? In meetings, rather than just nod. Yeah. So he pitches instead that it should be a bug that turns into a robot. And instantly they love it. To just think of that off the top of of his head, I thought it was quite good. He's also doing, you know, he's coming with a solution. He's not just sharing a problem, which I thought was very good. They have an apartment viewing because obviously he's earning loads of money now. So cool. (laughs) I was like, I thought, I mean, God knows how much money he's making. Because that flat was amazing. Amazing views. Really, like, lovely building. Mm. I like that he filled it with, like, an inflatable dinosaur and stuff. My one issue is the bunk beds, though. 
Because bunk beds should always be against a wall. Oh, yeah. I think it's weird when they're in the middle of a room. Always be against the wall and definitely not in front of a great big window you could fall out of. <laughs> exactly. I thought that when they were on the trampoline, actually, later on. I was like, oh, my God, that's way too close to the window. I'd never thought of that until the last time I watched it. That's when I now know I'm over 40 because I just saw danger. <laughs> We hear him a voiceover of him writing a letter to his mum, which was a way better idea than the phone call. Yeah. Because she can see it's his handwriting. And even though he's been vague, I think that was probably way more reassuring to get that. So that was nice that he wrote a letter to her so she knows he's safe. Because all the way through it, you don't really think how... I mean, his dad doesn't seem to be mentioned again ever. I don't know why that is. But you kind of feel for his mum sitting indoors, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, it's sad. We then cut to the office party and Susan's being very corporate. Oh, can I just say, I hate her hair in this scene. Yeah. It's all like like braided back. Oh, it's horrible. Her dress is amazing, but her hair, ugh. Well, even Macmillan tells her she needs to lighten up. I'm glad he did that. And again, I just don't think she was a very nice person because she only turned her attention to Josh once she realised that Macmillan really likes him. She just wants successful men, doesn't she? Yeah, she's, yeah, she's moved from Paul, who was obviously the previous golden boy, to, to Josh. Yeah. He arrives in a hideous suit. Looks like Liberace. He really did. <laughs> he really, really did look like Liberace. <laughs> And, of course, the first thing, that it gets all their backs up because Macmillan goes over and chats with him and that's when Susan goes in for the kill and she's, like, on it like a car bonnet. <laughs> it did make me laugh when he... What was it? Caviar he ate and he just had to spit it out because it was just... Uh... But, again, I just thought, you know, you're a 12-year-old boy. You know, you're not, not an imbecile. Like, I think I would have done that. What, at 12 years old? You're, you're in the second year of secondary school and you would have gone up and been at a, you know, been at a wedding, for example, a buffet wedding and been like, ugh, and spat it out. I'm going to do that at your wedding. <laughs> no, I, no, look, I think there's a difference between a 12-year-old girl and a 12-year-old boy. So if I'm thinking that at 10, I probably would have behaved like that, that's probably the mental age he was at. So, yeah, at 10, I probably would have done that. I would never have acted like that at four. Holly, you were given caviar in your bottle. It's nothing to you. <laughs> so I was watching this film with my husband, Owen, and he has issues with this scene. He doesn't like the triple dipping with the snacks. No, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't like that. So he's eating, he dips, he d eats, he dips, he eats, he dips. That's just gross for him. He does, however, love Tom Hanks eating a baby sweet corn like a grown-up sweet corn. It is really cool the way he does it. We then get the scene in the limo, which I've always wanted to do. Like, I've always wanted to go in the limo and stand with my head out the top of it while Billy Idol plays. <laughs> I actually think I might have done it. <gasps> what do you mean you think you've done it? Well, when we went to prom, we had a sort of a massive, like sort of one of those four by four limousines. And we definitely, I would have stuck my head out of that. Driving around Burfield, it doesn't have the same effect, does it, as Manhattan? Get a twig in your eye. Oh. 
Well, yeah, I mean, some might say it's cooler because, you know, Manhattan's probably happening all the time. People of Burfield are still talking about it. Out in West Berkshire, no, yeah. Made the Berkshire evening news. <laughs> I'm a bit jealous that you and Emma had that. I presume Emma was in the limo with you. You didn't make her go in like a Peugeot behind you or something. <laughs> I think there was about 12 of us. It was massive. Was that like it couldn't get down? Like when we when it had to turn around at the end of the road. I mean, people came out of their houses, Carla. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Who else was in this limo? Who were there? anyone you still know other than Adam? Adam would have been there. Yeah, Who yeah. else would have been in there? My friend Amy. Oh, she's now in Australia. She is. Hello, yeah. Amy. She's our she's our Australian listenership. Thank yeah. you. Well, there you go. Maybe they can remember. If you can remember Holly sticking her head out of a limo, get in touch. And it's very like even, you know, even now, like being in Adam's car, like, you know, it's it's not particularly nice driving along, not having a roof. So um, Stacey, Adam's got, he's got a Porsche at the moment. He does. <laughs> but it's a lovely car, you know, but it's very, it's fine. It's fine when you're driving down with the windows up, but when as soon as you put the windows down, I mean, you know, literally, your hair is like flapping you in the face. Like, it's not nice. No, I always think it's nicer for a man so they don't have to worry about their hair getting messed up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Not that I've ever done that, but I'm talking about when I was in a van with someone from work <laughs> and he insisted on having the windows rolled all the way down. And I was just like, oh, there's just hair everywhere. So that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I sympathise. Yeah. Must be awful for you. I've been on the top of those hop-on, hop-off buses. Oh yeah, yeah, the tourist ones. Yeah, so I know what it's like having wind in my hair. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we've all been there, Holly. It's not just you. Okay, so then he takes her to his apartment, and obviously she says she's not sure that she should spend the night. So because he's a child, I liked this. Is it like sleepover? <laughs> and then when he says, but as long as I'm on top, and then walks in the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously she's shocked by what she sees because you know, I guess he's got a lot of toys and stuff around the place. But he gets her on the trampoline and she ends up enjoying herself. I mean, she's actually quite good at it. That shot out the window of her is amazing. She's doing, like, acrobats on it. I love this scene. I love the dress jumping up and down on the trampoline she looks very glad it's great yeah nowadays everyone's got a trampoline rotting in their garden but back then you know this was like a dream to have your own big trampoline yeah because you never went on trampolines like 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 you said people didn't own them no if you went to the seaside they might have some Mm. trampolines yeah but you never never went on a trampoline no so this was just like a dream come true yeah, it was it was amazing. So the next morning we see Susan in the car with Paul, which I didn't really understand because we know she'd slept over with Josh because she was in the bottom bunk, he was in the top bunk. This completely confused me. And I think this is kind of the turning point after the trampoline is that she stops going from being kind of hard-nosed and just after him because he's successful. So she genuinely starts to like him. Yeah. 
Paul takes Josh to go and play. But they playing squash? Racquetball, I think. Racquetball, that's it. And they get into a bit of a, a squabble because Paul cheats. He's so mean. He was mean to him there. So Susan patches Josh up after he's been hit by Paul and she takes her keys back from Paul and kind of, you know, makes it clear that they're not an item anymore. It then is Josh's birthday and he's out with Billy. And I thought this was sweet. Billy had arranged, you know, a little cake for him. and Yeah. Yeah. Did you see this pizza place Billy took him to? The guy was, like, putting the dough in his mouth. I, th- I hope he wasn't using that to make pizzas afterwards. It was disgusting. <laughs> Do you think that that was his trick, that he regurgitated it into a fully full pizza? <laughs> that, that would be amazing. That was a that was a deleted scene. <laughs> so afterwards, Billy obviously wants to hang out, but it, Josh leaves him to go and see Susan instead. So we then get to the controversial scene, which everyone goes on about. We know it wouldn't happen in a in a film nowadays, but again, I never saw it as being anything wrong when I was a kid. To be honest, I don't even think I took any notice of it. I guess now it is a little bit odd. It's more than a little bit odd. It's the oddest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) And and also, I think the thing which I thought was weird about it in the film, they really put like, you know, really like romantic music on to make it sort of make it seem like look at this really nice romantic scene. But it's not. It's awkward, isn't it? Because he doesn't know what he's doing and but she thinks it's really cute and naive and like like almost like he's fascinated by her body, but it's not. He's just like, never seen this before. I'm freaking out. Yeah. But I think it's testament to this film that despite this being a little odd, it's still considered a five out of five film. Oh, yeah. As rated on Sky Movies. I mean, you know, everyone loves this film other than Holly. (laughs) The thing is, it's not an adult taking advantage of a child because the adult has no idea. So it's not her fault. It's weird, but it's not her fault. No, it's just icky. Yeah. But this was directed by, I think it was, I'm going to have to Google this because I'm sure Steven Spielberg's sister wrote this film. It was a woman, wasn't it? There was something Spielberg on it. I think it was written by... So Penny Penny Marshall directed it, I know that, who went on, I think she did A League of Their Own afterwards. So I think this was like the first film ever to make so many dollars or something in the box office directed by a woman. So the next morning he's got a spring in his step and he orders coffee. And also this is the beginning of where he sort of has become an adult. Yes. And I guess that's why they maybe put that in. I mean, it could have been, you know, it could have been he just kissed her, would have probably worked. But I think that was the point that you then see him shifting away from Billy and actually turning into an adult. So they had to have some kind of arc for that to happen. It didn't need to go quite as far as it did. You know, there would have been no ending to it if they hadn't have had a shift in his behaviour. No, he had to do something that only adults do. I mean, he could have done cocaine or something, but never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So... We then cut to a grown-up dinner party. I mean, I've never been at a dinner party that was like this. It seemed very boring, talking about documentaries. And oh, it was so dull. Awful dinner party. 
there's a really horrible dad in this scene when the child comes in asking for help with his homework and he's just like he's really horrible to yeah. him isn't he and just says not now well i actually think that the boy is rude <laughs> you know they've got friends over for dinner they're having a dinner party oh come on no i would i would have wandered in and out the room when my mum and dad had friends over and spoken to them if you'd have gone up to your mum and said, Mum, I need you to help me with my homework. All of the guests would have been dismissed immediately and I would have been <laughs> helping with my homework. I guarantee you that. Absolutely ridiculous. Stacey, I think you're the most level-headed one. What would you do if someone came up to you in the middle of your dinner party and asked you to, to leave the table? If a child came and asked me, I'd be like, what are you doing in my house? Because I don't have any kids. Like, what? <laughs> uh, Who are you? <laughs> that cleared nothing up so let's move on <laughs> so anyway we see that uh, josh goes to help because he says he's done algebra at school so billy keeps trying to contact him and he can't get hold of him and we cut to it looks like he's living practically at susan's yeah. apartment now doesn't yeah. it and they devise the electronic comic book which I I think kind of exists in my mind that happened. Or not quite like that, but well, you might remember these days. You used to get books where it was like if you choose the, the character does this and then skip to page 84 or if you want them to do this. So it's kind of like that, isn't it? But a quicker version. Oh, yeah, yeah. Choose your own adventure, yeah. Billy arrives at the office and he's annoyed that he can't get through to Josh and Josh asks him to come back at lunchtime. He's quite short with him, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. I'm impressed, actually, how Josh is now at being an adult. He's very mm. productive. One one night with Susan and he's, you know, he's actually doing a good job. <laughs> you know, Billy says this line and I think this is so true. He says, I'm your best friend. What's more important than that? And I think when you're 12, 13, that's such an accurate thing. What is more important than your best mate when you're that age? So, you know, I really felt for Billy at that at that point. Mm. Your world does revolve around your kind of silly friends and stuff, doesn't it? And also, you know, Billy's just been there for him the whole time. Yeah. He could have so mm. easily have just left him in the city. Mm. So while Susan is asleep later on that night, Josh plays the game that he didn't have time to complete at the start. And then we see him, like a montage of him reminiscing about where he grew up. I thought it was risky for him to go back, to be honest, because he could have been spotted. Especially wearing a trench coat. <laughs> Staring at kids in the yeah. park. Yeah, it was dodgy. <laughs> he doesn't help himself, does he? No. Josh tries to tell Susan the truth and tells her he's a child, but obviously she doesn't get what he's saying and misinterprets it that he's saying... You know, he's a child inside and blah, blah, blah. So it doesn't work out. Billy thinks he hears Josh on the walkie-talkie, but it's his mum. So, again, quite a sad scene where we see his mum's just sitting in his bedroom waiting for him. So he tells his mum everything's going to be okay. And then Billy goes into the office with the location of Zoltar. And Susan sees him going in. And she kind of, this is where she starts to think, hold on. Maybe he was telling the truth and he is a child. Because that's the first thing you would think of. He has a friend or, you know, maybe a nephew or something. Or maybe his son. He must be a child. <laughs> Josh does his presentation on the comic book. 
and Paul is horrible to him and does the I don't get it, which mm. is what he did to him. Josh walks out and Susan takes over and when she explains it would cost eighteen ninety five, Paul mocks and he says, You expect a kid to pay nineteen dollars for a comic book? And then this is it. This is when the penny drops because she says, I think a child would. And then she just stops mid-sentence because she's, she's, she's figured it all out. And then she walks out as well yeah. to go and find him. Billy's outside buying a hot dog. How long do you think it's been since Josh saw Billy <laughs> to now when Josh is buying a, as Billy's buying a hot dog? Quite a while. Because, yeah, like an hour? And he's only just made it down the stairs into the hot dog store. Maybe there was a queue for the hot dogs. Because you know those carts, there's always a queue. They're not very common, are they? That's the problem. You don't see them on every corner in New York, that's the issue. So, no, yeah, you probably have to exactly. wait ages to get that hot dog. So Susan asks Billy where he's going. And I really like Billy's reaction when he says that he's his girlfriend because he acts like such a child, pulling a face and giggling. And Yeah. He was really, really funny in this. Yes, it was good. Meanwhile, Josh finds Zoltar and... Susan rushes up, but it's too late. The card's already popped out saying that his wish is granted. Do you think Susan is chasing him because she wants to stop him from becoming a child again or she just wants to watch him shrink down into a child? (laughs) I don't think she wants to watch him. I think that would take a whole different level of creepiness that even we can't justify. (laughs) Because if if you then say, oh, well, even though he's a child, I still want to keep him... That's gross. Yeah, but then remember they say she doesn't know he's 13 because she says, what are you, 16? She actually says to him, you use 16, 17, and he says, I'm 13. So I guess she's hoping that he's like higher end of... But even if he was, it's still weird. Well, no, it would be weird, obviously, but I guess she's hoping that if he was 17 in a year's time... I don't know how old she's supposed to be in it. I guess she's supposed to be late 20s. You can't tell how old people are in the 80s. That's the trouble. No, it is. Everyone looked pretty much the same. But I'm, I'm going by what her age was in real life and compared to what Tom Hanks was in real life. So, yeah, late. I think he was like 29 or something when he did this film. So maybe she thought with, you know, a 12-year age difference, they might be justifiable or something. I don't know. It was a shock to the woman. <laughs> it was. <laughs> did she just leave Billy... In New York? Everyone just leaves Billy in New York. I thought the idea was that Billy and her would go together. I was shocked when it was just her in the car. And then, obviously, yet again, Josh gets a nice ride home back to his house and Billy's got to go on the bus, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So he basically has a million reasons for him to go home, but only one for him to stay. That is where he's become a true adult, isn't he? Lying. (laughs) (laughs) so she drives him home i thought she probably after this probably goes to kill herself does she not (laughs) you know or at least literally drink herself you know into sort of a state where she doesn't remember i think she goes back to paul yeah i think she does i think she goes back to paul I yeah. I always, when I was little, really wanted her to become a child. That was my thing. I was like, oh, go on Zoltar and go back with him. I really wanted that to happen when I was little. I wanted them both to be kids together and grow up together. It's not fair on her, though. No, it wasn't fair. And, and being a teenage girl is way worse. Where would she live? With Josh. She could say that she was kidnapped with him and he found her in the shelter 
And I, I always, and I still wonder this now, and I used to wonder it then. How did they know he was going to transform back just as he was walking to his house? Because he walks back as Tom Hanks. Exactly. What I was thinking is when he actually was a child and became an adult at the beginning, that took like overnight. And yet this has taken an hour, maybe two hours, and they've timed that to perfection. Wouldn't you wait around the corner in the car or around in a cafe, wait until he'd gone to a child and then drop him off? Because you don't know. He could still turn up at his mum's house as the same man who a few months earlier came in and took him. And also, it's going to be very shocking for the mum, isn't it, when she, you know he gets older and she's like, oh, you look very much like someone who stole you. (laughs) (laughs) Would you tell your mum, when you got back, would you go, look, I grew up and you didn't believe me, I'm back now? Yeah, like, look, you you stupid (laughs) told you and you didn't listen and I've been literally living in New York. I've had to have a job, had sex with a 30-year-old woman. (laughs) I drank alcohol. I did cocaine. Just because you didn't believe me. I really love caviar now, so, you know, I'd prefer that than you serving this. <laughs> the sweet corn is too big. I need baby sweet corn. Now, despite the creepiness and slight creepiness, I still think it's really touching at the end where he looks back as little boy Josh and smiles at her because he's just got such a cute face, the little Josh. Yes. And, yeah, that's that's big. As with, I know I say everything's my favourite film. I am aware. <laughs> but this genuinely is, I mean, it would be top 20 films. I love it. You just can't watch this film and not smile. It's such a feel-good film. I love it. I think it's brilliant. It was an easy watch. So normally around this time we go to the shout-outs. But we've got a, a special one this week. So we're just going to play... Um, a special audio clip because we were going to get John Dredge of Dredgeland podcast on the show. Ooh. But unfortunately, he couldn't make it. But he has kindly sent us a clip explaining why Big is his favourite film. So I think we should hand over to John now and let him talk us through it. Hi, Theme Park Films Podcast. This is John Dredge here of the podcast Dredgeland. Um, yeah, when I heard you were talking about Big, I thought I had to get in touch because that's, for me, one of my favourite films of all time. I can't imagine the amount of films I've seen, but that is in the top three, definitely. It's a masterpiece. Essentially, it looks like um, you know a kid's film. I, th- I guess that's how they aimed it at the time. But really, I, I think it's, you know, all the family can get a lot out of it. Um, there are bits in it that are a bit odd. There's some bits that don't work. But the stuff that does work, to me, is, is, is pretty much the best stuff I've ever seen in a film. There are certain scenes that I think of that can't, for me, for my money, can't be bettered, really. I mean, the number one scene is... The, the scene in the toy sh- store where Tom Hanks and the boss of the toy company are jumping around on a giant keyboard. I mean, it's, it's, it's a brilliant piece. It's just, it works as a cinematic piece. It's obviously completely visual and it works in all sorts of ways because as a result of that, 
Tom Hanks is promoted at the toy store. Things like that just got me at the time. I mean, it's such an incredibly well-written script. It's incredibly well-acted. Certain concepts and conceits in that film are just so perfect. As I say, the idea of Tom Hanks as a kid wanting to get a job and therefore going to work at a toy company where he's better than everybody else is such a great idea and what's also great is that the boss recognizes that almost straight away that's why he's in charge you know um the acting is something else i mean tom hanks as the kid i don't know how he did that you know it's um that film had an effect on me you know on my on my mind uh i don't know whether it was good or bad because after that film i suddenly remembered how great childhood had been, how great it was to be a kid. Whether it actually was or not, I don't know, but that was the sort of impression that 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 film gives you, and it reminds you of the great things about childhood. And um, ever since that, I've been sort of thinking, well, compared to being a kid, is an adult any better than than that? I'm not sure, you know. Also, it's great fun, this film. It's, it's, It's probably one of the most fun films I've ever seen. There's another key moment where... This, Elizabeth Perkins' character wants to wants to sort of get involved with with Tom Hanks. She goes to his apartment and it's set out like a kid's apartment, really. And he's got a trampoline, and she's going, um, "Is that a trampoline?" She goes, "Yeah, do you want to go?" Uh, "No, no, thanks, no." In the end, she ends up having a go, <laughs> and she gets she she relaxes and, and and really enjoys it and remembers how much fun it was being that uninhibited, that carefree, you know, another brilliant moment. Elizabeth Perkins' performance is is just as good as Tom Hanks, I think, the way she plays off him. The scene in the taxi where she's telling him not to play with the radio is just so brilliantly judged. It's such a funny, fun, uplifting film, and I've seen it so many times. I hope you guys enjoyed it. That's my view. John Dredge, good night. Or indeed, good morning, because this is not an exclusive nighttime podcast. You can enjoy it at any time of the day. John Dredge, however, is best enjoyed at 7pm on Wandsworth Radio, along with his co-host Andy. Together, they are Dredgeland. And if you can't get hold of that, not to worry. Their podcasts are available for downloading for free. They are also playing the Camden Fringe in August. I highly recommend you try and get tickets for that. Myself and Stacey were lucky enough to see them a couple of months ago at Brighton Fringe and they were absolutely hilarious. Completely mental. There was lots of pineapples, there was bananas, <laughs> all manner, you know, not just fruit, but I don't want to yeah. give it away. <laughs> After listening to this, please ensure you search out Dredgeland and follow them on all social media. Oh, I think I saw a picture of you with him. That's right. I was lucky enough to have my picture taken with John and Andy after the show. And from one funny Britpod scene to the next, Stacey, let's tell the listeners where they can find you when you're not hanging around with us. So my podcast is called Rough Giraffe, and it's a quirky comedy podcast that I do with my mum, and my cat and you can find us on twitter at rough giraffe pod on instagram at rough giraffe podcast and we have a facebook page and the show itself is on 
all good podcatchers and bad ones. Anywhere. So this is very yeah, exciting because uh, your podcast was one of the very first I listened to. I think just as we launched, I think I managed to find your podcast at More Life. I don't know where I found you. On a bad podcatcher. the worst one and of course you're the fellow admin of Britpod scene as well indeed you caught me are you regretting that now Stacey or great fun we're great mates (laughs) great laugh of course we do the Britpod scene uh, podcast which is out every month so people should subscribe to that we've got lots of good things on that Stacey always talks to one of the British podcasts that's in BPS and you chat to them quite extensively so you get to know someone a little bit better. And uh, I do the American section where I talk to two American shows and oh, all sorts happening, isn't it? it? Loads. Loads (laughs) going on. Non-stop. So definitely subscribe to that. But subscribe to Rough Draft first. And, you know, obviously this one, if you're not Who's already not subscribed to this if they're listening? Gosh. I mean, no one else would unless it automatically pops up on their phone and they're like, oh, taking up the hard drive. Let me just listen to clear it. <laughs> so is there anything that you would like to add at this stage? No. You can find us on Theme Park Films on Twitter or Theme Park Films Podcast on Instagram or you can email us themeparkfilms at hotmail.com. We are also the proud creators of Britpod Scene, which is a collective of British podcasts. Please head over to BritpodScene.com for all of the shows or follow us on Twitter at BritpodScene where everything we retweet are shows that we endorse. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on, Stacey. Like, literally, this is like a dream come true. Like, they're my favourite podcast. Yay! This is like, you know, I like, I like having someone famous on. Well, you'd have preferred to have mum, I know, but I'm a I'm second best. No! Unless mum listens and then yes. If she's not listening, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we're thrilled to have either of you on, of course. And, you know, we would have loved to have Kipper on as well. Maybe next time we can do a film that Kipper can talk about. But that's for another time. So thank you again. Thank you for listening. There will be part two of our specials of films that feature theme parks of sorts. And we will see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Theme Park Films podcast is part of Britpod Scene, a network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more.